We are preaching through the gospel readings this summer with the College of Preachers. So we'll be in Mark most of the summer, and then we'll be in the Gospel of John right at the end. That's just how the lectionary flows. Today, uh, we have this, pa- uh, this passage about the Sabbath and about Jesus. Um, and I want to focus on this little uh, part of the second story where Jesus says, looking around at them with anger, deeply grieved at their unyielding or hardness of hearts, he said to the man, stretch out your hand. So he did, and his hand was made healthy. At that, the Pharisees got together with the supporters of Herod, the Herodians, to plan how to destroy Jesus. Friends, because I preach as one among you, not uh, apart from you, and because we both need the Holy Spirit to hear and respond today, I pray the Lord be with you. God, open now our hearts. May they be yielding. May they be tender and soft and ready to receive your good word to us today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Friend, Mark's gospel is all about conflict. Uh, not, not the conflict kind of necessarily uh, relationally, but Mark's gospel is, uh, I mean, like human to human, although there's that conflict, conflict going on. But Mark's gospel is about cosmic conflict between Jesus, God's agent who's entered the world, and the world is seen as the domain of darkness or the evil one. So Jesus in the beginning of Mark is just like healing, driving out demons, uh, exorcisms, people getting healed, like all this stuff. And today, uh, as we move into Mark chapters 2 and 3, we see Jesus coming into conflict with, with the religious leaders as well. He's engaging the Pharisees. And I, I want to just say this up front. I think the Pharisees are misunderstood oftentimes. Like when I hear messages about the Pharisees, I'm often I'm, uh, what I'm told is they were legalists. You guys heard that word before? Legalists, right? And I think that's an unfair rap on the Pharisees. I think that's not exactly what's going on with the Pharisees. We're going to talk today about uh, what the Pharisees were doing with the Sabbath and why Jesus got so cranked up about it. He's only, Jesus is only, we're only told he got angry a couple times, and this is one of them. <clears throat> but the Pharisees, uh, the Pharisees were in charge, and they were in charge by controlling the boundaries around what's faithful and what's unfaithful, and those boundaries comprised of three main things, table fellowship, who you could eat with, who you couldn't, right? Public piety, so what you were seen to be doing out and about, right? How, how you appeared, and Sabbath, keeping of the Sabbath and how Sabbath is kept and what that means. What, what makes Jesus so cranked up is that their authority was control. Their, their dominion, their reign was uh, social oppression. They were at the top and the irreligious and the unrepentant were at the bottom or the outside. But in Jesus, friends, we see a different kind of authority being expressed. In Jesus, we see a striking contrast to the controlling, marginalizing authority seen in the Pharisees. Because Jesus' authority sets us free. It heals, it restores, it redeems, it empowers, and it saves. Today, friends, in a world of demagogues and despots, in a world where authority 
is used over and against to control, marginalize, and oppress others. Today we proclaim Jesus is our deliverer. His authority is freedom. His kingdom is a gift. Where do you need this gift of his kingdom today in your life? So, there's two dynamics of this text, and we're going to talk about them. One is the authority Jesus expresses and how he embodies that as, as an authority. And the second is how we respond to that authority, what it does in our lives, right? So there's the one with authority and then the one receiving authority. Those two dynamics. And um, most of us... Uh, I know that not all of us are parents, and, and I am a parent, so I'm, I'm speaking out of my life today uh, about where I, I have authority as a dad. wish my kids were here to hear this. Uh, I, I, have, I have a... Th- I, do you know who I am? Uh, I, have, I have authority as a dad, and, and one of the ways that this text challenges me is the way that I express my authority. So... Um, we have good kids, Deacon and Celeste, they're nine and six. Um, you all know them. Uh, Deacon is sort of our rule follower. And so I'm used to him sort of, he wants to know all the rules so he can't get in trouble. That's, that's Deacon. Celeste doesn't care if she knows the rules because she just assumes she's going to get in trouble. Like that's like they, They're very different kids that way. Um, but I've, I've noticed this, and I mentioned this last night at our DNA uh, group kind of celebration. One of the things God's doing in my life right now is he's showing me this issue I'm having with our bedtime routine. Now, our bedtime routine is pretty simple. It's, hey, kids, go do the, be- the bathroom three, which is brush your teeth, uh, use the restroom, and get your pajamas on. And then we read stories and say prayers and tuck them in. It's very simple compared to other bedtime routines I've heard in other homes. Um, but our son knows that all his friends have a bedtime an hour later than he does. And uh, he, he's like this rule follower until I say it's bedtime. And then he just completely ignores me, right? Completely ignores me. So I'll say things like, um, hey, kids, okay, time to get ready for bed. And nobody does anything. Like nothing happens. They just continue to do what they're doing. And I'm not, it's not like I'm calling from a different room or texting them. No, I'm like right there in front of them saying this, right? Uh, then I'll say, okay, bedtime. Yeah, bedtime three, you have four minutes to get this done. Like I, I haven't even talked. Um, all right, let's get moving. Nothing. And I'm telling you, you guys like, uh, this happened a little bit last night. I was really in the fast old's house. Okay, time to go. And like none of the kids were doing anything because it's like 8.45 and we're leaving and they're like 45 minutes past their bedtime. And I'm like, hey, it's time to go. And the kids just aren't doing it. Anything. Like, they're not moving at all. It's like they didn't even hear me. Um, and something happens in me, you guys, when this happens. Like, I, uh, I get my dander up. <laughs> like, I, I just get like this, like, I feel disrespected. Um, and and my, my impulse, this isn't my plan, but just my impulse is to power up. You know what I mean by that? Power up. So that means raise my voice, usually. Make some threats, right? Oh, oh, you don't respect my authority? How about this? You know what I mean? Like, I'll show you my authority. I'll make this grand display by taking away whatever, right? 
Um, and my, my go-to impulse is to power up so that you, you do what I want you to do. Friends, I'm thoroughly convinced that the authority of God that Jesus reveals isn't an authority to control and oppress, but I'm struck by how quickly that just lives in my, how quickly that comes out of me and lives in my body and comes to bear. Can anyone relate to that? I know that all of us are like parenting uh, small children, but we all have domains, I think, of responsibility. This is, I think, being played out in our world stage right now. Like there, there's world conflict happening between countries, between, in, in countries, right? Where you have two leaders that are duking it out. Or between countries where, where leaders are playing these socio or these geopolitical games, right? And this is, this is the way the world works. It's demagogues. Demagogue is someone who gets a whole group of people to trust them selves by making you fear someone else, right? Demagogues love scapegoats because they can consolidate their own power. They're typically very insecure people, but they can consolidate their own power by making you afraid and angry at someone else. Despots are people who just dictate and expect people to fall in line, and when they don't, those people get eliminated or marginalized or oppressed. And that's the world we live in, friends. That's the kind of authority that the world runs on. But today, we proclaim that Jesus doesn't use his authority over and against others to control them or marginalize or oppress them, but Jesus is our deliverer. He delivers with his authority. His authority is freedom. His kingdom is a gift. Is a gift. Where do you need deliverance today? Let's look at our text. The first story is about Jesus going through the grain fields, and that really honks off the people watching him. And the second story is about Jesus healing the hand. In the first story, Jesus asserts his authority. In the second story, Jesus demonstrates it. Let's look at that. Uh, <clears throat> so, uh, chapter 2, verses 23 through 28. <clears throat> um, so, the Sabbath. Let me just say, like, 30 seconds. That's a preacher 30 seconds, so it might be three minutes. But, like, <clears throat> the Sabbath was a gift. It was one of the Ten Commandments, but it was a gift given by God for his people. It, it, did, it was more than just a rule to follow, friends. The Jews practice Sabbath as a way of marking themselves out as distinct and different as a people. So for instance, I was at a football game yesterday uh, for my son, and before, the, before any sporting event, what do we do? We pledge allegiance or the national anthem, right? That isn't a rule we follow. That's what kind of marks us out as a people, Right? Like, I, I, did the, I grew up doing the Pledge of Allegiance all through elementary school, grade school, and junior high. I'm sure some of you did too. Even, you, even, even of us who went to public schools, I went to a private school, we probably did that as well. That wasn't something that, like, I had to do, and I got in trouble if I didn't. No, it was like this ritual, this, this symbol that marks us out as Americans, right? Now, it's a, it's a thin symbol, 
So it doesn't have tons and tons of social capital for us anymore. But the Sabbath functioned more like that. It was, it was something that God, it was a gift he gave on the seventh day of creation to humanity, became one of the Ten Commandments that was given to Moses, and it marked the, Jewish, the Jews out as, as distinct from other people. And the Sabbath was meant to like refresh and recreate. In fact, friends, get this. The Sabbath was something God did originally that then he invited humans to participate with him in. So God's intent for Sabbath is that this will be the way you become like me. This is the way you get to participate in the life that I give you. And you know, the writers of Hebrews and other people in the New Testament talk about Jesus as our eternal Sabbath. Jesus is this eternal rest we enter into. So that, what he means by, Jesus is the doorway into the divine life so that we are experiencing Sabbath all over the place. But Sabbath in the Old Testament is a gift that gives us this doorway, this picture of, okay, this is what it means to have the life of God, to be refreshed, recreated, restored, and renewed. You guys tracking with me? So it wasn't this rule I had to follow to earn God's approval. It was a divine gift meant to offer us the divine life that also served as a way of distinguishing us from other people. You tracking? Okay, good. That was more like three minutes and 30 seconds. Okay, so Jesus then chooses the Sabbath to assert his authority. This picture of, in, in, in Mark chapter 2, verse 23, one Sabbath Jesus was going through the grain fields and as they, the disciples, made their way, his disciples began to pluck heads of grain. Right? There's this image. Uh, so what happened in Judaism was there was this law about leaving the grains along the edges of your field for poor people to pluck and eat. This was a common practice, right? This was the way you were benevolent. This was, the way all, like, this was sort of how you gave alms with your land, was you left gleanings on the edge of your field for poor people to eat. But the text here doesn't say they went around the field and grabbed grain off the side. It says that they are going through the field and making their way. So think about this. This is an image of like Jesus and his disciples, which probably included more than the 12. So you have this like, somewhere, somewhere greater than a small group and smaller than a horde walking through like a wheat field, eating wheat on the Sabbath, okay? Now, this is important for Mark because Jesus goes right to David next and says, I can do this because David, right? And then he refers to himself as the son of man, which was a messianic title from Daniel. And then he ties it back to how the Sabbath was made for man, which evokes Adam. So we have, there's this text in Isaiah about prepare the way of the Lord. We have the disciples preparing the way of the Lord. Jesus referring to himself as the Daniel son of man. Him, him saying something greater than David is here, basically. David did this, so of course I can do it. And, yeah, Adam. I'm, I'm the true Adam. I'm the true Adam. I'm the Davidic king. I'm this person Isaiah was talking about. I'm the son of man. Jesus is asserting his royal status in at least four ways here. Probably more because I'm just a silly American and I don't know exactly what, everything that's going on. But at least four ways here, he's asserting that I'm, I'm a king. And I'm a king greater than David. And so uh, this isn't a war against legalism. This is sort of a, this is a prophetic 
action. Um, so when I was in college, I went on this, uh, this trip to the south called a Sankofa journey. Has anybody ever heard of a Sankofa journey? Sankofa is an African proverb about a bird that fl- flies forward by looking back. And so the, the emblem is like this African, like it looks like a goose or a duck um, that is uh, flying, and instead of its head looking this way, its head's looking this way, kind of turned around. It looks like somebody rang a duck's neck, is what it looks like. But it's this picture of we can't know how to go forward unless we look back. And so Sankofa Journey is about uh, taking a white person, that was me, and a black person, that wasn't me, putting them together and having them journey through all these civil rights monuments in the South and talk about what they perceive and what they notice and how they're experiencing this. Completely changed my life. Completely changed my life. And in that journey, we saw these pictures of these, like, these, these uh, black people in the 60s and 50s doing what was called sit-ins, where they'd go to a soda fountain or an ice cream shop, and they just sit on the counter, just sit there. Now, it's not exactly the same, but like, that, that was like a prophetic act by these black people, right? We have dignity and honor. You can't treat us like subhumans. And in fact, I'm going to sit here, and when you're violent against me, right, eventually when you turn dogs onto little black girls, like, white people in the North can't ignore this any longer. Right? So there's a, there's a civil prophetic protest against this abusive authority of power. I want to suggest that's what's happening here on the Sabbath with, with Jesus. This is a, this is a, this is a sit-in. <laughs> but instead of, a, instead of just sitting in the field, they're preparing a way of the Lord bringing Daniel, David, and Adam to bear right here, and Jesus is asserting his authority. Now, there's this whole other level, friends, that the religious leaders would have to approve grain, like not the gleanings, but the actual grain, what they're eating. The religious leader would have to approve that grain and call it pure and clean before other people could eat it, and they were, dis- they were completely disregarding the Pharisees' sort of use of their authority to control people. So the Sabbath, then, is a gift meant to nourish us. They were hungry. Of course they can eat. They're hungry. Not as a weapon to control people and oppress them. Not as a weapon to divide the good people from the bad people. So Jesus is having a prophetic sit-in, asserting his authority to protest the religious abuse in his country. In a world, friends, of demagogues and despots, where authority is used over and against others to control them and marginalize them and even oppress them, today we see Jesus' authority. It's one of deliverance. His authority is freedom. His kingdom is a gift. Where do you need that today? So he asserts it in a field, and then he demonstrates it in a synagogue. In chapter 3, 1 and 6, I read this little text. Jesus gets really, really upset 
Like, you know, not to get all Greeky on you because everybody loves the pastor that took 16 hours of Greek and then acts like an expert. But like this word for anger is like cranked up, fiercely upset, fiercely upset, and deeply grieved. So you get a picture of somebody who's beside themselves. Beside themselves. And he's beside himself because of the unwillingness for those who have authority and power to call what he's doing good. They're unwilling and unable to change. They're seeing but not seeing, hearing but not hearing, to quote a famous teacher. They have a posture of accusation and judgment rather than a posture of encountering and discovering what God is up to. So Jesus silences his opponents by asking them an obvious question that they're unwilling to give the obvious answer to because it would cost them their authority. It would cost them the way they control and manipulate and abuse people. And rather than saying, yeah, you're right, Jesus, which would have given all the honor in that synagogue to Jesus over and against them, they would have lost their authority. Jesus would have gained it. And they could not, would not ever do that. Because they led with worldly power, with demagogue, despot power, to control and oppress and marginalize people. And they were unwilling to give that up. Even, friends, notice the punchline of this text. Even... It makes, them, it makes them stupid. <laughs> it makes them almost psychotic. They will look at Jesus healing a shriveled hand, which, by the way, notice the text doesn't say Jesus didn't do anything. He didn't do like 16 push-ups and 15 Hail Marys. He just told this person, stretch out your hand. And as the person stretched out their hand, they were healed. So it's not even like Jesus did any work. This gets them so upset that they decide on the Sabbath to go meet with some Herodians and plot murder. So, I, so this, is what, this is what this kind of power does to us. We are so threatened and so hardened by it because we have to do anything we can to protect our authority. Do you know who I am? As I would say to Deacon. That we will justify plotting murder and we will accuse somebody for healing. Friends, the good news today is that the authority of Jesus isn't looking to marginalize, oppress, and control us. But Jesus' authority wants to set you free. His kingdom is a gift to you. It's a gift to deliver you. Jesus is our deliverer, not our despot. He's our deliverer, not our demagogue. Where do you need that today? Where do you need healing, restoration, redemption, recreation? Well, how do we respond to this as a community? Well, I, I want to I I just share that um, at the table, we believe that like Jesus is still healing us today. Not just, not just in sort of a metaphorical sense of like, uh, I once was irritated and now I'm less irritated. Like that's good healing, right? Praise God. 
but also like, like physically, like God could heal us physically if he wanted to. If you had a hand that was lame, um, Jesus is still capable of healing that hand. And so one of the things we're going to begin to do sometime this summer, like between next week and 2022, let's just put it, let's put it in there, uh, probably closer to this week though, is we want to start a healing ministry. I talked to Josie about this. Ben and I talked to Josie about this last Friday. Uh, Becky and I have talked about this as well. Um, we'd like to do a healing ministry that, that, that is something that happens during our worship. So the idea would be after, after coming to the Lord's table, let's say there's something in the message that just is up turning over tables in your life. Or there's something that you want healing for. There's going to be prayer available for you in our worship time so that you can meet with somebody and, and stretch out your hand. Um, not just in our worship, but starting there and then spilling over into their common life of who we are. We want, to be, we want, to be, we want our, our time together. The Sabbath is a place of healing. Amen? And Jesus is our deliverer. Also, too, friends, we're committed. I know I say this all the time. I have to say this all the time, not only because I need accountability, but because it's desperately needed. The authority that Ben and I and other leaders express at this church, our hearts is for it to be empowering, healing, redeeming authority, never to be controlling, manipulative, oppressive authority. And this is uh, not easy, right? Because like, even for somebody I'm most committed to, my nine-year-old, it just comes out of me. Like, it just lives in my bones, right? But I want y'all to know that uh, the authority Christ has given me is an authority to lay down my life for the sake of others, for your healing, for your restoration, for your redemption. And my authority begins and ends there. And if it ever becomes a, do you know who I am? You have to listen to me. That's it, you're gone. Like, that's when I forfeit my Christ-given authority and grab hold of demagogue, despot authority. My commitment to you isn't to be perfect in that. My commitment to you is to be accountable to that. Amen? Amen. And friends, Sabbath is a gift for us. It's a gift. I stink at Sabbathing. Part of it's being multivocational and like having 43 streams of income. It always feels like, that's an exaggeration, but, but uh, it feels like that sometimes. Like I feel like I constantly have to be tending to these streams um, in order for us to be able to plant the kind of church we want. Um, but we want to declare that Sabbath is a gift. It's, it's made for us. It's fitting. It's an easy yoke. It's a good idea. It's beautiful. And if we don't consider it so, that means something is maybe wrong with us, not Sabbath. So there's two responses here, and they're in your booklet. Uh, one is to receive Christ's authority. And what I mean by that, or respond to Christ's authority, what, what I mean by that is, maybe there's a command or a, maybe it's Sabbath for you. It is for me, and I'll, I'll show that in a second. But maybe there's some command are some teaching of Jesus that feels burdensome to you, hard, difficult, like undesirable even. And maybe today 
like you respond to this good news that Jesus wants to deliver you, not demand things from you? Like, like maybe that's, you respond by just laying that down for him. Like I want to respond to your authority in my life by receiving the gift of Sabbath in this way. But then also too, uh, there's a call here to operate in Jesus' authority. So Jesus um, doesn't just want a bunch of minions. He wants methetes. He wants disciples. He wants people like him, right? Sabbath was this gift to get us in on God's life. Jesus' plan is that we would operate in his authority. So uh, here's the way I'm responding, and then we'll all respond. For me, um, I, I need a Sabbath. I, I need a Sabbath, and what that means is I need to disconnect from all the ways that I am not present to myself, to creation, and to my family. I need to disconnect. Because my job is about connection, and it's usually everything out there, not the things that are right here. Right? So I was talking to Ben about this this week, and he kind of shared this during our class, but uh, I, for me, I need to disconnect from social media for a time, to be determined not by me probably, because I could probably convince myself I just need like a three-hour break. Um, I think three hours is enough. Uh, um, and that basically because I'm, I just find myself being perpetually outraged, perpetually outraged. And that, here's a, here's a surprise, that doesn't actually increase the fruit of the Spirit in my life. Um, and so part of my learning to Sabbath is to disconnect from social media. And uh, again, I'm sharing that with all y'all. Um, there, and there's some caveats with that. I need to post things for work, but I won't be scrolling it, so... Uh, and then operating in this authority, friends, like even this morning, even this morning, uh, several times I found this invitation to operate in Christ's authority with my kids rather than in like worldly authority. So my, my dad came down and watched Deacon play football yesterday. We had a great time with him watching Deacon play football. Deacon had a crazy good game. Um, and then we went to breakfast. And at the end of breakfast, like my dad had bought our kids breakfast, and uh, our kids just don't say thank you. And they kind of, they don't even say goodbye. Uh, and like, my first impulse is to sort of shame them for that. Like publicly. Like, call everybody out of the restaurant and say, put your shaming eyes on these two children. You know, like, no, I mean, not, not, I'm, I'm being a little uh, facetious, but like, just... Uh, and I found myself just having to pray, Lord, like, what's a way for me to teach my kids to honor their grandpa in a way that isn't oppressive and abusive to them? How do I operate in the authority you've given me in a way that doesn't use shame as the lever to get them to behave? Right? So God's teaching me how to do that. I realize they need some vision. They need to see saying goodbye and saying thank you as a gift. Right? This is what we communicate. 
I tell you you're created for relationships. These people love you. It bless, they're blessing you and it blesses them to hear your gratitude. This is how we communicate to them that they're important to us. We need to do that or else they don't know. Like those kinds of things, right? So I'm learning how to operate in Christ's authority with my kids. Oh, I found Deacon on a screen yesterday too. So we have this, this battle in our house about screen time. Um, and, and Deacon asked if he could have screens yesterday afternoon. And I was like, no. I go into the bathroom. I come out. And it's one of those, I'm coming out of the bathroom and I walk around the corner. And he's like, <laughs> you know? And I'm like, what's going on, buddy? He's, and he was like, I was just trying to find some mu- thing, music, uh, the screen. You know, like, like he didn't have any, he's a, such a bad liar, which is great. Uh, Cece, on the other hand, she's a great liar, but Deacon is not. Um, and and, I, and I, I had this thought of like, okay, punishment. Like, here's how authority is expressed here. Like, I caught you in your badness. Now I get a pounce on you with consequences right? Um, you're breaking the Sabbath. I'm going to go plot with, your wa- with my wife on how to uh, murder you. You know, like, you're like, no, like, there's just, like, that comes out of me, right? And so then, like, we had a conversation about why, why are there parameters and boundaries on your screens? Tell me why. It's a gift to you. It's a gift. How do I help you receive this gift better? What do you need from me? to understand this rule is a gift. It's not capricious. It's not arbitrary. It's not because, like, I like to see you uh, be bored. No, there's a gift here. Does that make sense, friends? So I'm learning how to parent from Christ's authority. Where do you need to learn to express your authority? The authority you've received from Jesus, who's your deliverer. He's not a demagogue or a despot. He doesn't lord it over you marginalize and abuse and oppress you so that you'll just conform. But rather, he wants to free you so you can flourish, be empowered to bear his authority in the world. Let's spend some time responding to this together, friends. Uh, We have a prayer here. I sent it to Ben in all caps. I'm really glad you didn't print it in all caps, Ben. He had to type it out. <laughs> ah. Lord, your generous and life-giving authority is a gift to us. Just affirm it. Acclaim that. Help me to, and then where is God working on you? Respond to your authority in my, for me it'll be Sabbath. Or operate in your authority in my, for me it's parenting. Make those two things make sense? And it could just be one for you. Right? But let's take some time responding immediately to whatever conviction God has for you. And then we'll, um, we'll do the creed and the prayers of the people together. Let's pray.